Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen, guys. Hope everyone's doing well. I apologize for not putting any content out the past couple of weeks. To be completely honest, it's just been a busy time of year, busy with work, family. I mean, you guys understand. And also, as much as I wanted to boycott this freaking thing, as much as I didn't want to come out and speak about it, like probably the large percentage of you guys, same things going on. I have World Cup fever. I cannot keep my eyes away from this TV. I've been also sometimes rewatching matches at night, just completely engulfed in this as much as I freaking don't like myself for doing it because maybe it's like I don't like FIFA or maybe it's just because not that I have anything against people in the Middle East, but all this stuff that's been coming out with human rights violations with the 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 country and the government of Qatar. But all that aside, strictly speaking about football, I mean, it's, you know, going back years, many years ago, my first World Cup that I actually watched was the 94 World Cup that took place here in the States. Ever since then, it's just the biggest event in football, as we all know. So how can you not get uh, World Cup fever? I've had it bad the past couple of weeks since this thing's been on. It's been very interesting. But anyways, guys, let's get on. I got a, you know, this mid-season break that we're having during the time of this World Cup. So the team flew to, just going to go over some notes. And then I know I said that I was going to talk a lot about um, Epo and the, the state of Greek football. And I've been talking about this for months and doing this show. Honestly, and not to say this like in a bad way, I just don't have the orixi. Not not that in the sense that I don't I don't want to do it or I'm trying to get out of it. Uh just this World Cup has engulfed me to where my thought process, my kind of um like um my fronima, my my mindset has just not been engulfed in in Greek football and Nike as it normally is. So I'm going to talk about some things Uh, towards the end of this podcast. I'm going to talk about uh, two time periods in Greek football where I think Apple and Greek football in general dropped the ball. These are these are my thoughts on it. Um, I'll go over that. But I'm going to start with just going over some news and notes with the team, catching up, catching you guys up on what's going on. Um, So the team flew to the Netherlands for like this midseason season. training thing that they're having with, with all the players that uh, they have. They took some players from um, Ike, Ike's B-team squad and then, um, you know, even took the some of the injured players with them. I think Amrabat is there, but he's currently under the weather, sick on top of his injuries. And then I think Elioson also went, you know, to kind of have that family uh, mentality that Almeida has really tried to instill in this team since taken over this past year. Also, um, very interesting that a lot of the other Greek football teams went also are doing this midseason training, but they decided to go in warmer climate, uh, as warm as it can be in Europe right now. Warmer climate countries, like I think Panathinaikos and Pauk ended up in Cyprus and Olympiacos are over in Spain, if I'm not mistaken. 
interesting that Almeida decided to go to to the Netherlands. They didn't go to the place where they were before, which was uh, in, in Alkmaar, then some other town. Um, he decided to choose that, which which is very interesting in the sense that his his and the team's explanation is we want to go to a place like that because that's the type of weather we're going to be bracing ourselves for and playing through come January, February is, is the harsh months of the winter hit. Uh, very smart on, on, on their end because getting used to the pitch is different, you know, in the wintertime. Every, all those little details and getting used to the cold and playing in that uh, climate is going to get the team ready for what's coming uh, <clears throat> at the, you know, in the, in the heart of winter, per se. So, and then the other news, um, Chindotas left. He's uh, signed with um, Pasiganana. You know, this guy had a tremendous upside for a while. He was honestly the, even though Barcas got all this, you know, all this talk and ended up getting the big move to Celtic at the time, Chindotas played a lot more than any of the other keepers during the um, the championship year. Um, he fell out of form over the past couple of years, but I don't think it was all on him. Um, a lot of it had to do with how terrible our defense has been the past couple of years. But anyways, the guy leaves on a good note. You know, more power to him. I wish him all the best uh, in the rest of it, uh, for the rest of his career. He's heading to Yanana. Fernandez has arrived. Uh, shortly after the break started, he was... Um, presented the club presented him you know did the whole presentation thing with the jersey the, the signing was official he can't officially play till the beginning of the year so he's gonna miss the cup match against Kifisa and then I want to say one or two league games if I'm not mistaken but as of the first of the year first of January he'll be able to play um and from what I've been hearing is that he's had quite the showing in uh in the Netherlands he it just looks like a very special player. Um, pretty much, they brought him in not just because of his unique talent up front. He's kind of going to... They don't play the same position. Uh, not the same type of player. But he can be someone in, in the quality department that can replace Pineda when Pineda's finally gone. Of course... Uh, right after the break, Pineda made some, um, I think he was talking to a radio station, talking to a reporter back in Spain, how he loves his time at Ike. But, I mean, like anyone else, and I know a lot of Ike fans took this the wrong way, uh, has aspirations to play in Spain, basically, in a nutshell. You can't fault the guy. I mean, no one with that type of talent or no one with any type of talent, any type of football ambition says... I want to come to Greece no matter what club it's for and says, all right, this is where I want to be the rest of my career, especially when you're like in your, you know, anywhere from like your early to mid twenties. I mean, to, I'm sorry, early, you know, your early twenties to, to your thirties, you know, if, if you have any type of talent or anything, no one wants to just stay in Greece. Um, of a player that caliber and honestly I watched some of the Mexico match today today is Wednesday that I'm recording this probably not going to come out till tomorrow and um he had a phenomenal match and he had an opportunity late on in the game that 
we've seen him put away at Ike, and I don't know if the the pressure got to him, and he just did not wasn't able to put uh, put a shot away. But he shot a nice shot outside of the eighteen, and then barely missed missed the bar. Um, Mexico unfortunately is out of the World Cup now. So moving on, <clears throat> but Fernandez, yes, he's that type of player, that type of caliber, and just looks like. As I heard one Ike reporter say it, and I wish I could quote them correctly and remember which reporter that was said, because the past uh, couple of days I've been trying to catch up on as much Ike as I can. Um, he says that Fernandez just, he looks special. He looks like Ithamaorixi. He's already gelling with the team. Almeida's working with him a lot. Uh, all good signs. You know, especially he's going to help the team a lot with uh, with Eliasson still being out for a while. Amrabat, on that note, let me say Amrabat and uh, Steven Zuber expected to be back by the beginning of the calendar year. The very latest, they're expected to be back by the beginning of the calendar year. Both of the rehabs are going well. Uh, like I said, Amrabat and uh, Eliasson traveled to the Netherlands. Zuber was not able to do that. He stayed back in Athens because of some kind of rehab machine that he's using. He needed to be in Athens. Um, I think it's good that Almeida does this, that he took these injured players with him. Even today, I heard that um, while they were having their training session, Eliasson was sitting out there uh, with a, you know, in, a, in the special boot, whatever he has on, and he was sitting there joking around, you know, uh, applauding his teammates and cheering them on and joking with them and cutting up and whatnot and, and it's nice to see that that climate around the team and it's good that to make this player feel a part of the team I think that does help a club I you know I never liked it in any sport where especially if you were an injured star player where you'd rarely show up to games or you would spend that whole time with your family now I get it 100% you know becoming more of a family-oriented person the past few years, myself, and really understanding how hard it is even with, with my work and what I do for a living. Um, I can only imagine these players that they con that's all they do is they constantly play, play professional sport or train or what have you, how much valuable it is when they're able to get time with their families. Uh, so I don't fault players for that, but also you're you're part of this team. You're you're. Uh, I feel that mentally, players can get easily distracted when they're not there with the team or not or themselves not feel part of the team at times during these uh, long periods of injuries or whatnot. So on another on another bad note, Majeras, I think. Uh, sustained uh, some type of injury and it, and it seems like a like a pretty serious sprain and I mean this poor guy they they took him to the Netherlands he can't catch a break man and this poor kid was supposed to really hopefully have a breakout year at, at Ike Vita this year and really show what he can do and really sharpen his sharpen his tools and sharpen his skills and whatnot you know just just bad luck Prastigato Mohammadi um, also injured at the World Cup in yesterday's match against the United States. They're saying it's a light sprain, something that's uh, not going to keep him out very long. 
And of course, we still have like a, a couple of weeks before the cup game with Gifisha. And then uh, we, we're about like a little over three weeks away from opening up back in the Super League. Um, I think our first match is against La Mia, if I'm not mistaken. So that's about all about the, the football news is what's going on with the team. Oh, we also have a friendly coming up um, on on Sunday, my time here in the States, it's pretty early. I'm going to try to see if I can catch it on replay or see if I can find it on the internet to watch it at some point afterwards. Uh, so I can kind of report back on some of the things that I see that's going on. I want to see how, even though this team's not going to be at, at full strength right now because of all the players that are injured and because of all the, the players that are, you know, off to the World Cup. Um, I still am really curious to see how Fernandez is going to perform. I, you know... Um, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You know, it feels kind of weird being in this mid-World Cup break, mid-season World Cup break or what, whatnot, what have you, whatever you want to call it. All right, so moving on. So that's all I'm going to talk about as far as the, the, the football news that's going on right now. Um, the basketball team, I was hoping to get more time to kind of really break them down and watch some matches and I'm sorry guys I just haven't had the time honestly like I said I've had a world cup fever uh they've been disappointing from what I hear and the results that I see uh we've lost our you know we if you guys listen to some of my previous podcasts I brought up the fact that I want to focus on watching them play in the in the BCL that's our biggest uh, competition as far as I'm concerned. Maybe the Greek Cup also would be very hard to to win. But in the BCL, we did lose to that one German team with the, what I consider a weird name, the Bonn Telecom or whatever. Bonn Telecom. Um, we lost to them again in Germany. That was a game that we desperately needed to win and win with a, with a point difference. Um, I don't know what's going on. Uh, different reports. The team just isn't looking good. We've lost, I think, one or two league matches also over the past few weeks. And just people saying the team hasn't looked good. I don't know if it's a combination of things, if it's the coaching, if it's the gelling. The one thing we have to take into consideration, like I've said before, and one thing that Ike Basketball is doing that I don't like is this whole flipping the roster every freaking season. Now I get it. Players leave. You know, we were we had a little bit on his financial stance. Angelopolo uh, had to kind of tighten the belt a little bit and restructure it. Um, so I, I 100% understand that. But we can't expect to have a, a roster turnover. I know at the beginning of this season, I was getting excited because I heard other people talking about Ike basketball and we were all kind of getting excited and watching them play in a couple of games. They do have some exciting players. Now, I don't know. And that's the thing is we can't expect a team to really become a team and gel together in such a short amount of time. Um, I, I want to say trust the process. I... Uh, I don't have much more to say on this because, like I said, I simply just haven't had the time to watch the team play. Um, let's hope that they can figure it out. Like I said, from what I could hear, from what I've been hearing on the outside looking in, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't think it's just coaching or the the players not caring they came over to play, or something's going on. I just feel that this team just needs time to gel. Unfortunately. 
like in any sport, you know, teams are going to go through growing pains, unfortunately. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Now, before I get into this um, whole, you know, Epo and Greek football, I just want to rant to you guys for a minute because, yes, I live in the United States. And I'll be totally honest, as far as the team itself is concerned, I'm going to take this back to the World Cup. I don't hate the United States as a team, the men's uh, U.S. national team. I hate it. There's certain, okay, there's certain fan bases in sports, and it's one of the reasons why we love it, that it polarizes you, right? It's polarizing. It's, it, you know, it gets you more excited. In, in, in football, it's derby matches. You want to win it against your rivals. Certain fan bases just annoy the crap out of you. Like I've said before on this podcast, Balk fans, for some reason, they irritate me the way they talk. Not going to lie. I'm sorry. Uh, just or certain other fan bases in other sports, they can be very irritating. They can be very polarizing. They can, you know, they, they move the meter in any kind of media because people either love to talk about them or love talking about them because they hate them so much. All that being said, one of my biggest pet peeves, a, t- uh, a fan base that I just, I cringe thinking about it, is the hardcore United States men's, I'm going to use the word, soccer team uh, fans, okay? And now I'm not talking about having pride in your country, I'm not talking about supporting the United States, you do you when that comes to that, but be logical about it. My issue with, with this, the certain fringe group of United States fans is the fact that they think the United States men's national team is so elite, and they're not. And it's so annoying that they think they belong on this pedestal with freaking Brazil and Argentina. Not historically, but they think that this team is that good. This team is good. I'm not going to lie. And watching the United States growing both as a football culture and as a uh, and the national team growing, I mean, most of America's and um, the U.S.'s national team players play overseas. They play in Europe and they play in, in on great clubs in Europe, you know. But this culture of the United States football fan just annoys me so much where he thinks, he or she thinks that they they belong in that group category of like the elite, like Brazil, Argentina, Germany, what have you, France, when they're actually, in, in my opinion, in the next tier of teams or even lower than that. Um... I just have to get that off of my chest and then because I see most of you from America. And I know some of you might, you know, like I'm a proud Greek. If I if I cut my 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 veins open, I'm gonna bleed Chadziki, okay? But I'm also a little bit of proud of I'm a proud American. I'm not like a wave a flag waving American flag in the back of my car, and I'm not, you know. I don't support a lot of the things that the U.S. government does. I don't support a lot of America's foreign policy, not to get all political on you. 
as I don't support a lot of the stuff, like I said, that like the government does, but I don't have anything against its sports teams or its, its people itself. I think there's good people here in America. There's good and bad, just like everywhere else across the world. So I'm not an America hater. Like I said, I don't, the team itself, I kind of like the team. The team is, they're a decent team. They could really use a striker, but you know, um, but I just had to get that off my chest. And then, then there's this, oh my God, I'm trying so hard not to curse right now. Freaking commercial where, and then banners at the, the, the World Cup where it's like, okay, this is why the world doesn't like you. And this is why the world roots against you. Where they say, it's soccer. It's soccer. It's not football. It's soccer, man. Oh, the that whole argument just annoys the crap out of me, okay? Uh, and the fact you would bring that on this stage, all right? It, I just had to get that off my chest. I'll move on, guys. I'm probably pouring the crap out of you, but it's, 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 oh, I cringe. I cringe at that, these freaking commercials and this campaign. I don't know who the hell came up with this, where they want to just, it's soccer, it's not football, it's soccer. And then you got the Psogno, freaking David Beckham, and another commercial where he's doing the same thing with uh, an American football star, Payne Manning. Awesome us. I just had to get that off my chest, guys. Let's move on. Let's move on to uh, Greek football. Well, on the World Cup note, the other thing that's... The thing that depresses me as soon as I turn on the TV, seeing all these fans, all these people taking pride in their culture, their people, their nations. You know, I don't, um, I don't support extreme nationalism. I don't, and especially fascism, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little proud of where you come, come from and proud of your country. Um, it just, it really makes my heart ache that Elava isn't there, that we, we're not watching Greece play. Um, most of what I'm going to talk about is mostly on a, on a club level, but I mean, it does, you know, what happens at the club level affects the national team also, absolutely. Um, so what I want to talk about today real quick is two things, two, two eras in Greek football where I feel like Epo and... Greek football in general missed a golden opportunity both back in the day and they're missing a golden opportunity now. All right, so back in the day, man, we've I've talked about this before. I know people my age and maybe a little bit younger talk about this, how we had at one point three teams in the Champions League. I think it was a 304 you had that going for you. We had a high uh, uh, ranking in the coefficients many, many years ago. You know, on top of it, we won the Euro in 2004. The stage was set. The foundation was set for us to grow our brand of football. And I don't mean just the, the way we play. I mean just in general, to grow the brand, to market it in some ways, you know what I mean? Just like other countries market it. And I know what people are going to think, but at that age, you're, you're a little, you've lost your marbles a little bit. You got a few lo screws loose 
for you talking about like this. But, I mean, look at the way, you know, why can't Greece... Greece can market itself as far as tourism, and they do a great job of that. Why, along with that, can we not market our football? As far as the teams are concerned, as far as the clubs, uh, other countries... Other countries do this. And I think that was a real golden opportunity because we were, we were on the world stage then. We were in, in front of the world. Not only that, but you had the whole diaspora jazzed up about Greek football, about both the national team. And, you know, and we had an opportunity then as a whole to grab more, more fans and kind of have them gravitate back towards watching Greek football again. Because I've said this story before. A lot of my friends that I grew up with that watched Greek football, that made me the Greek football fan that I am today, they don't even watch Greek football anymore. They don't pay attention. Uh, most of my friends, if they're team, you know, if they're Olympiakos fans, I got some of my good friends that will talk football, you know, very few are like week to week, day to day onto what goes on at the club. I shouldn't even say day to day, week to week, or at least watch the Greek Super League, most of my friends, even most of my friends that are Olympiacos fans, they're like, oh, you know, I'll sit down with my dad and watch a Champions League game. Um, that was an opportunity then that where you had all this pride in, in being a Greek football fan. We had just done, you know, uh, arguably one of the most historic things in football history, historic upsets, historic runs in football history. And... We instead of capitalizing on that, things just gradually got worse and worse and worse. Now, there's different factors to that, right? You can't build your brand with two out of your three top teams from your capital, Athens. And I don't want people to get offended at me talking about not talking about the teams from the Saloniki, but uh, let's let's. Let's face the facts. Your most successful European campaigns have come from the three winningest teams in Greek football. Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, and the Nike, right? Um, on, the, on the other hand, you know, you had two out of those three. I mean, I just got a stadium now. Olympiakos built a, you know, they renewed or remodeled uh, or built it up again, excuse me, got Eskaki back in 04. But then you had the other two teams that Panathinaikos still plays at Lovoros. I mean, this was freaking almost 20 years ago. I just got a stadium. You can't have that. You can't have that That contradicting. And, you know, that that not having a stadium, in my opinion, made both those teams not be as competitive. I think... I've talked about this before. Libyakos with Karaskaki has always had a competitive edge to them. Uh, Philadelphia, back in the day, was not an easy place to come play. We saw big teams come through Philadelphia. Real Madrid, I remember. We tied them 3-3 in the, in, the, um, in the Champions League. And this was the Real de Galacticos. You know, this wasn't... You know, not to say that Real Madrid are the defending European champions today, but uh, the stars that were on their team, Zidane, Beckham, you know, uh, the list goes on and on. Roberto Carlos, those players playing for that team, 
and like we're able to get the to get a tie. It was an intimidating place to play. I have firsthand people. I had a firsthand account from some from a couple of people that were there that night. One of them, which was an American, and I'll tell that story one day. I don't feel like getting into it right now. That told me that was the reason why he became a football fan in general was going to that match. Um, so you had this golden opportunity between winning the year the the Euro in 04, having all these teams doing well in Europe. I mean, Ike that year, 03, 04, if I'm not mistaken, it was either 03, 04, it might have been the year before. I should have done my research before the podcast. I didn't do it. Apologize. We went, yeah, we didn't get a victory, I think, in the Champions League that year, but we we went undefeated. We had, uh, what, six ties um, that year against really good teams. We tied Madrid twice. Um, so that was a period that I feel like was an opportunity lost. Now, the second opportunity is now. It's right now, and I'll tell you what it is. It's this whole, whatever you want to call it, phenomenon, culture that's happened where streaming comes into play. Why should I open ESPN on a on a, the ESPN uh, streaming service? It's called the ESPN Plus, for those of you that live overseas and don't know. Because I don't know if it's available overseas. I apologize. Um, and I open it up, and my God, I can watch, uh, you know, Bundesliga. I can watch... Um, the English Championship, the second division of, of English football, the second tier. But then, you know, I started scrolling more and more. I can watch, okay, Dutch football, yes. You could say the Dutch have a big name in football. A lot of people know those teams, at least the top teams, okay. But then you keep scrolling down and you're like, okay, Scottish football? I mean, yeah, you could say Celtic Rangers, Hearts, whatever, what have you. They have big names, big followings. You keep scrolling down and you're like, Belgian football? I mean, is Belgian football that much more interesting and that much better than Greek that we can't get our names on this? That we can't market ourselves? Of course, we can't market ourselves because we can't even have a freaking deadby where we have two, two, both sets of supporters in the stadium. It... it but it's an opportunity that comes that that's missing and this is why it's important guys because all of these other leagues are getting rich or having these revenue streams from all these different international companies that are buying you know i mean i i don't remember what the number is but i know like whoever bought the next world cup here in the states whatever network it's it's going to be on i know it's in the billions of dollars we're missing out on a multi-billion dollar industry that could bring in revenue because, yes, in Greece, there's never going to be a time where it is in other countries where you can charge a premium price for ticket sales. But you can make money off the the streaming services, the the merchandise sold all over the world. You know, there's I know I know friends of mine that I knew a friend of mine from high school that bought rare or, you know, not so big teams jerseys because he loved the, the, the jersey, you know. Um, 
But with the streaming thing, that brings a whole new revenue. And that's important, guys, because the bigger the budget, the better you're going to do. Not to sound like, yeah, that's a no-brainer, but I, a lot of people don't don't get that. A lot of people that want, you know, Ike and Olibacos and Panathinaikos to, to have those runs in Europe and have those those great times we used to have where we could be somewhat competitive in Europe and get our coefficiency up. It's not going to happen with these, these revenues and these budgets that we have right now in Greece. We have to, football is marketing itself inter, internationally. I mean, uh, here in America, you can watch, uh, you know, Italian football and people are, listen, and in countries like America, Australia, that are, I don't want to say more developed, but people have tend to have a little more disposable income that are willing to spend the money to buy jerseys and buy merchandise and, you know, what have you and have these huge followings of the Aspora, um, they can be a good a good revenue source. And my thing is, I don't see how people in Greece and people running Greek football don't see that. This is what's frustrating. I, I get that there's, you know, these people that are running Greek football want to want to squeeze it or want to hold on to it. Or this is, you know, there's, there's, there probably is shady stuff going on behind the scenes from everyone. And I mean, from Melisanidi to Marinaki to whatever. I just think it's a lost opportunity, and, and unfortunately, I feel like the, the Super League, Epo, Greek football in general, is is going to miss out on this gravy train. This is a chance to to really grow. I mean, to have, to be able to for a Greek American to be able to turn on ESPN Plus and be able to watch because I guarantee you, most people probably don't watch Greek football with their dads because yeah, some of my most of my friends speak decent Greek, but. People want to hear analysis in English. People want to hear, you know, what someone on ESPN has to say about Greek football. As crazy as that sounds, not maybe what someone has to say, but they'd rather watch it in English than, than in Greek. And, on you know, I, it's just very frustrating that there's this huge opportunity here. I mean, there's... There's crappy leagues that are taking advantage of this. There's, you know, like I said, the Belgian league. I think I saw Danish. Are you kidding me? Danish football is that much better than Greek football? I mean, on a national team level, yes, I understand. And the Danes produce a lot of good players. But it, come on, man. You can't tell me it's that much better than the Greek Super League. Uh, where you have this huge amount of the Aspidar scattered across the world that would tune in to watch. And you would make money off this. If the higher the ratings, the more money the league would make. I just feel like besides that opportunity where that we had in 04 after the Euro to grow the sport as a whole, not just the attention that the national team got, but the league and the Greek football as a as a brand. This is another golden opportunity here. And I Unfortunately, I see this passing us by for various different reasons. I mean, uh, you know, what What can you say? Even if, let's say, hypothetically speaking, e they go to ESPN and they're like, okay, 
we want to broadcast the cup final for the Greek diaspora. You know, we want a guy that we want you guys to send a couple of announcers, maybe even some Greek Americans if they could find them, or some really good English Greek speakers to announce the game, right? To call the game match. We want this to happen. How the hell are you going to do that if, you know, last year there was an hour and a half delay? This kind of idiotic stuff that they can't clean up in Greek football, or they can, they re- they refuse to for some reason, because they use the people that run Greek football, in my opinion, they use the bad stuff as leverage for some reason to stay in power and stay in control. Um, I don't know, it. you know, even for us to do something like that, just that, to do the cup final would be really hard um but in general i'm no i'm repeating myself i just feel like this is a massive missed opportunity because we're going to see the league and our coefficient in greek football just get worse and worse and worse as far as the league is concerned this is my opinion now they could turn it around i don't know guys i just it's you know and and i've said this before on the podcast I honestly feel like it's going to be a few years before we see another Greek club in the Champions League. And that's that's just sad because if you don't throw the names, if people don't see you around the world, then or don't at least see the name, recognize the brand, um, then your brand, your brand and your marketing is slowly going to start to die if you don't refurbish it. If you don't change your strategy on it. And the funny thing is, most of these guys are multimillionaires. Most of these guys, no business. You can't tell me Sunny Day Marinaki are not good businessmen or Savilis, for example, or even Alafuzos. They're they didn't become rich by just being jackasses, pardon my language. Um they became rich because they're smart and I just, I don't know guys. Um, but that's all I have to say about that. And that's all for the podcast today. Um, I know that I said I would go into more detail and eventually I probably will. I'm sorry guys. I just haven't had the, the Odyssey to kind of re, um, to kind of go into this more like I did. I started looking over a bunch of notes. And then I was also like, well, I don't want to bore these people. This is the middle of the World Cup. Maybe I can attack this more during the during the summer months. Maybe because right now I think everyone's focus is on the World Cup. I just wanted to put an episode out there to talk about this a little bit. And guys, let me know on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. Let me know what you guys think on Instagram. Message me, tweet at me, whatever you want to do. At Crazy Ike Fan on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, also have a Facebook page, Crazy Ike Fan. Also subscribe to the podcast. <clears throat> let's help get the word out to grow this uh, channel of I can do this. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Am I am I right on this stuff? Am I wrong? Uh, I know there's a lot more <laughs> more complex things to, to break down about uh, the state of Greek football in general. Uh, the sad thing is, is that we're not watching the Thinigi right now. And that's, you know, this is second straight World Cup that we've missed after we'd made it a couple in a row. 
and honestly, I mean, you see the quality of some of these teams, and I really feel like we, not that we could have made a huge run, but I feel like we, we've always had good quality. I even said it before we won the Euro. I never understood why the national team was not that good because I always felt like we had quality football footballers. I still feel like we have quality football players. Um, it's just stressful to, it's just stressful, sad to not see a lava in, at this tournament. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of the football in the World Cup. Um, I might do an episode next week. I don't know. Well, I'm slowly starting to get back into the rhythm of, you know, my daily routine as far as Ike is concerned. Uh, reading the headlines, listening to all the various different shows that I that I normally listen to. I'm sure all you guys feel the same way. Um, I hope everyone has a great week. Enjoy the matches this weekend. Enjoy the the knockouts that are getting ready to start. And I'll talk to you guys soon.